this week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby, The Usual Suspect Steve, special guest Chris from the Channel 83 podcast take the 444th portal to the Forest of Resurrection to discuss Ryohei Kitamura's verses from the year 2000. Side quests include Street Fighter the movie and its DJ problem, getting braced in Bulgaria, and a very special colloquial corner that will have you questioning Dr. Pepper and its relation to space-time. Have you seen The Fifth Element? Let's wax this rival porpoise. Chase, don't do that. See, we, we're working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. Alright, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we are back again, continuing on with our two-month-long salute to the Halloween season. Uh, horror's the name, and talking shit is our game. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're keeping the juice running this time. Uh, we're on episode 25 now, uh, revisiting, I might fuck this name up, Ryuhei Kitamura's film from the year 2000, Versus. It's an action horror zombie splatterfest dipped in a little Japanese mysticism, question mark. Um, uh, so tonight, or uh, whenever it is you're t- tuning in, uh, you're treated to myself, Jim, G-Baby. The funk of 40,000 years. G-Funk. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, we also have the usual suspect, Steve. Hello. Carlos Blanco. Oh, my God. Charlie. <laughs> We're going to have to take that the board away from me at some point. <laughs> I made that for specials, just for you. Your guy's friend. <laughs> How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Looking forward to this one. Sweet. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, and then special moment, uh, for, for the cast, uh, we actually have our first guest joining us, uh, this time, uh, we have the distinct honor and pleasure to welcome a friend of the show, uh, Chris from the TV guide for weirdos channel 83 podcast. Uh, welcome. Hello. Welcome Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing just great. Long left in the flesh. I made that made one for you too. Special. <laughs> nice. Thank you. What was that? That was uh, James Woods from uh, Videodrome. Oh, shit. A movie I can only assume you haven't seen. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Safe bet. <laughs> yeah, that's one we should get, we'll get into for sure. There, there'll be a sprinkling of, of Cronenberg in our, in our future if we keep this going, I believe. Um, that's a fun one, too. Especially like... I f- I- I already feel like the special needs little brother who's like being taken to to the art museum and you guys know everything you're talking about. And I'm like, I like, I like the well, blue one. Well, hey, I will, <laughs> I will say that I am sort of a combination of both of your worst movie watching traits. I've got the gym, like I watch a shit ton of movies and quote things that no one cares about, but I also have Steve's thing where I haven't seen like any important movie ever. Like, uh, Indiana Jones, never seen any of that shit. Whoa. I just saw gladiator for the first time, like last year. 
So then you'll n- name a famous the, uh, movie and I haven't seen it. Shawshank. I think I've seen parts of it because it was on TNT all the time. Oh, you and... are you are going to experience, and you're getting a little flavor of it right now. Gwenza is. <laughs> He's like a tea kettle that's slowly warming up, and you're gonna you're gonna drop a title on him, and he might fall out of his chair. He's trying I to think, hold back, but he is like already flabbergasted. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Maybe I make up for it though, because I did watch Black Rain on his recommendation a few years ago, so at least I've seen that. And as you can see in the background here, I got the you can partially see the yep. the Black Rain <laughs> poster. <laughs> Such a stupid fucking movie. <laughs> Didn't you like that one though? Was it a? I did. It was just like. Yeah. No, I liked it. Okay. It wasn't like. Have you guys discussed whether or not Steve liked this movie yet? No, we haven't. We have not. And that. Do you want to do a prediction between me and you, Jim? Sure. I, I predict he didn't like it. I'm on the fence. I think in my heart of hearts, ding, 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 ding. Uh that he isn't going to like it, but I'm also, I want, meow, meow. <laughs> there's based on, based on a couple scenes in the movie, they may have been enough to, to pull him to the other side, but so I don't think I'd be shocked either way, but I think at the end of the day, yeah, I don't, I'm going to say no. So, <clears throat> okay. We'll see. Uh, real quick before we get into the movie uh, too, um, I just want to say too, we're, Tickled to have you get have you on and appreciate you making the time. Um, did you want to before we get into this just briefly uh, talk about your previous uh, project, Channel Eighty Three podcast, and or anything else you want to add before we get into the main course? Yeah, so I used to do a podcast for like two years. Um, I guess it was it actually the original idea for it was very similar to what you guys are doing. Is that I but more, you know, horror centric. Cause that's really what I'm into. But I also moved to another state where I didn't know anybody. And I kind of wanted to keep in contact with one of my friends who hasn't seen any movies. So it was a very similar concept. Um, but as both of you know, that it, it takes a long time to do a podcast. It's more of a commitment than people actually realize. I mean, even though episodes are only like an hour, an hour and a half, but you still have to like sit down, watch movies, think about them, think about, try to make it interesting. So uh, the other dude ended up dropping out and I kind of just dove uh, full steam into it and did that for a couple of years and uh, eventually kind of got tired of it, <laughs> tired of the time commitment. And uh, here we are today. Now I get the luxury of just guesting on other people's podcasts, which is much more fun and much easier. Yeah. I mean, I got to say like, i out of the blue, like by happenstance and kind of a little community I found myself in over the past couple of years that are all, um, have, have started their own podcasts. Like I know I have friends who've started, I don't know, at least three or four podcasts, like in the last year and a half, we all kind of support each other. And so I've been lucky enough to guest already on two shows. Um, and the, the experience, I won't say more fun is just different, but maybe more fun in a different way. I'm really going to ride this fucking fence right down the middle. Um, But it was cool not like having to like, you know, manage everything and be like, you know, the DM, I guess, or clock watching everything and editing. So, and, and just kind of sit back and, and be plucky and, and have a good time. Um, 
so I can see the appeal for sure, like in, in that kind of guest capacity, but, and it is a lot more, um, that people think, I think go into it, but, um, for sure. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, I don't know if there, there's maybe one or two other, like, you know, single host podcasts that I listen to. So I think that's a, like listening to all your stuff. I think that's a, a mark of, of excellence because I don't think many people can pull it off real well. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not sure that I did. I, I tried my best, but it, it definitely has its limitations. Chris is being modest. Uh, channel 83 is a banger podcast, uh, especially horror centric. And I think what your, your goal, your stated goal was, and I may fuck this up, but like, you know, uh, in search of like the novelty and, and, uh, really obscure stuff and like having the deep knowledge about it and bringing to light. Like I even remember one of the, the episodes was you touched on the concept of hidden gems, which I'm, I'm guilty yeah. of what you railed against, I think now and again too, but, um, you know, like people not, uh, really plumbing the depths and, and going past the surface level and thinking those are like deep cuts or hidden gems. Yeah, for sure. And I think like what you did with your cast, you, like you did, you really did shine a light on these hidden gems that are fucking super obscure yet. Like, um, I think important and, and just cool shit. I'm glad that I found along the way. Um, even stuff that sucks, yeah, just, like stuff that sucks, it's it's so bad it's good. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said for that, too. Well, a lot of that was just like, you know, I think I've said this several times on that podcast. It's like, what the fuck am I going to add to the conversation about Psycho or Halloween? Mm-hmm. Like, they teach academic courses on those films. I don't think random dude in Minnesota is really going to have any <laughs> insight that someone already hasn't had. Right. And like, just like I, and a couple of friends were talking about like the new Dahmer series that came out on Netflix. It's like, do we have to fucking continue? It's like, there's so much other stuff that could be, you know, pumped up or like, you know, missing persons or, you know, things that are worthy. It's like, they've done like 10 or 12 series or movies about Dahmer and the surrounding case in like the last 15 years. It's like, at what point is it just like, lazy or uh you know just making light of like the family struggles and everything and just completely exploiting it so um anyway getting off on a philosophical tangent it's crazy that people keep like going back and watching it you know because you think at a certain point it's like we have we have harvested everything we have we can from this buffalo you know but I mean, they put it out and people keep fucking watching it. So I don't know if it's the same small group of people who keep watching whatever comes out or maybe it's reaching new people. But yeah, there's there's like so much other cool shit that you hear about. And you're like, why have I, why have I never heard about this before? But I've heard about, you know, the Ed Geins and the Dahmers and the right. Ted Bundy's like ad nauseum. So another thing with the, with the whole Dahmer thing is... Uh... Like I saw on Reddit or something, like someone was comparing a scene from that new miniseries to like the actual courtroom footage. Mm -hmm. And as an example of like, oh, look how accurate it is. Well, like you can actually just go to court TV and watch the actual (laughs) court case. Right. Because that's a thing that exists for free. Yeah. 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 When we were doing the Jason Simpson one, I was looking up. It was either like 
uh, law and crime or court TV or whoever owns that video footage now. And it was like hundreds and hundreds of hours. Like they have yeah. the entire case just archived. If anybody wants to go watch the entire fucking thing. And Damn. like we were talking, like we were talking about during that episode, I had no idea that the trial went on like for the better part of a year. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. That was crazy, man. I, I like, I think I said in that podcast too, like I grew up with one of my, my mom's boyfriends at the time was like pre-law at Chico mm-hmm. state. And he was like, that was like, he was working on that as like part of his thesis. And they ended up as at his thesis at the end of the year, they did like a mock trial of like the OJ case and they changed all the names. So like Mark Furman was Mark Perman or Perham. And I remember I wow. went there, I went there <laughs> and I saw him give his thesis. I was like fucking 10, 11 years old. And I like sat like in the crowd of, you know, watching all this go on. So yeah, that shit was like indelibly like burned that whole case in, in my mind for like a better part of what 11 months or whatever it was like. Yeah. I'm the same way. When I was listening to that episode, uh, it was kind of reminds me of, you know, talking to people that are a little bit younger than me. I know there's a little bit of an age gap between you two and same with me and my wife. She's like four or five years younger than me, but anyone in that age group, the only way I can describe it is like growing up, there was the OJ case and then nothing happened. And then nine 11, mm-hmm. like those are the two things I remember, like the major events. And I guess Oklahoma city bombing was a big yeah. one. Cause I lived in Dallas. Oh yeah. I'm sure that was even more at the forefront for you. Yeah, I remember growing up, there was a couple other, like, re- I think it depends on where you're at, too, like, regionally, like, things kind of uh, were at a certain level, so they're more in up in your face, but then now, like, post 9-11, maybe, maybe a few years after, with the, the exponential runaway of, like, internet and, like, everything being available all the time, it seems like those things just, like, multiplied, or, or, you know, it's there's more, it was more visible that you're more, you have more access that kind of argument back and forth. But um, right. yeah, like for one, for me, like growing up in the central Valley of California was the Lacey Peterson case. That was huge. That was like in the paper every single day for like fucking nine months or 10 months. And yeah. same with like Chandra Levy. Cause that was that Congressman, yeah. that was his district and she was from there. So um yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that, but that happened like right before 9/11, right? And then everyone stopped talking about yeah. it. Yeah, that yeah. dude that the Shunner Levy case is is one I would actually like to get into one of these days because there is some funky stuff going on between that and like how it kind of like it disappeared like 9/11 was this big thing. The the biggest thing arguably and uh <laughs> <laughs> the biggest fucking thing. Uh and yeah, so that kind of got <laughs> shoved on, like swept under the carpet, you know, that, which is interesting. Gary Connett, the Gary dude, he was on the Gary. like house select committee of like foreign affairs or, or defense. I'm butchering that. He was on, like he had high level, like top secret shit. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. So I'm going to stop myself. But. Gary Condit did nine 11. Yes. That's what I'm. <laughs> so it's a short story. I remember, uh, I remember Entirely the night, possible. I remember the night Princess Diana died, mostly because we had just gone to see Con Air, so it was like <laughs> pretty much the, the greatest night of my life for two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I did not was not able to predict where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um 
cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check, check out channel 83. Your stuff's still online. It's all archived. I think Spotify is yep. the only thing that you're not on. Last I checked. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> in your last episode, when you played out with wig splitters, uh, you got to be careful because it's that exact sort of thing that got me banned from Spotify for life. Really? Okay. Yeah, I was unsure. And I was yeah. like, dude, we're so small. I bet that's not even going to matter. But it's funny that they're not on Spotify. So you should be okay. good. But like the difference between Spotify and like if you get a copyright claim on YouTube is like Spotify provides you no recourse. Ah, uh, You can't say, hey. I'm pretty sure I sent him an email. I was like, I'm pretty sure this falls under fair use, but they yeah. just don't respond to you. Huh. Oh, that's uh, just cold shoulder. Yeah. It's funny. I remember that episode when you mentioned that and I was like, Oh fuck, that's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, it's a funny story that the, the guy behind wig splitters, I actually, I, it took me a long time. I actually got a hold of that dude. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's in like Germany. He's do you find he's in like Europe. Do you somewhere. find the park bench he was living on? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Weirdly enough, I think he's. I want to say he's like German or like Flemish or something. He's from that area of Europe. Um, I actually got a hold of him. I was like, because I wanted to use one of his songs with, and I wanted. I was confident that I could scrub out like the vocals because I really like this chunk of the instrumental, and I wanted to use it for the intro. Mm-hmm. And I actually got a hold of him. I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is what our podcast is about. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, can I use this segment of track three? The days are getting darker. You know, that one, Steve, the days are getting darker. Anyway, he was like, yeah, totally. You can use it. Uh, just, Oh wait, that's the guy who's, uh, all his shit sounds like he's Andre the giant. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The days are getting darker. Mo hood. Uh, does, does anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah. So at least for that, maybe I, he, he said back then I still have the email. So that's, that's one thing Hell in my yeah. corner, I, I suppose. But um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. I play a lot of bumps and even our cover art. I'm not sure if we'll get popped for that, but we'll see. Um, so anyway, yeah, check out Channel 83. He's got some great shit. The Jacko, I think the, the three that stand out in my mind are the Jacko episode uh, that you did. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. And uh, yeah. the Rutger Hauer retrospective especially is super rad. I really like that. He, Hell what, yeah. What was he in that we really liked him in? Blade yeah, Runner. you liked him a lot. You said you liked him oh, a lot as yeah. the main baddie, Roy baddie in Blade Runner. Yeah. God, also. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm on Steve's oh! side. Uh, <laughs> Blade Runner is like a movie that, if you know me, on paper, it's everything I should love, but it is fucking boring. I'll give you that. Thank you, Chris. Thank but you. I'm also on Jim's side, <laughs> Steve. You should check out 2049 because it's way better than the original movie. I won't. Right. I won't go that I, far. Yeah, but I'd, I'd give it a shot. I won't go that far, but I will say I really fucking like Blade Runner 2049. I put them on their own. They're island. very di- Yeah, they're very different. So not liking one doesn't necessarily mean you won't like the other. Yeah. There's just like similar like like individual characters or like you know the name of this thing that calls back everything else like the acting, the cinematography, the story. The story is fucking 
so good. It's it's a really satisfying story, I think. Um, How does the level of rain compare to the first one? Hardly any. Yeah, that I remember. Okay. Yeah, if anything, yeah, they're quit digging. You struck oil. <laughs> if anything, it's just more. I think ash or almost like this, like snow kind of in a few scenes, but yeah, really the, so that'll save you. There's a dearth of rain to be found. Um, cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Little side, little quick hitter about, uh, Jacko. I don't think you touched on it in your episode, but I came to find out later on. Do you know about the, um, I think they did like a director's cut recently. Someone put it out and they have a, director's commentary with the director and maybe a producer two dudes that like they basically sound like they're about to throw down watching the movie yeah so that's what i heard uh i watched it on vhs i couldn't find the dvd because at the time uh like this newer edition had not been put out i assume it's probably one of those like boutique labels that yeah i think it's like are so popular right now vinegar syndrome or someone like that but but that's in the IMDb trivia that was like the producer and the director hate each other and almost fought on the commentary. I was like, I really want to listen to that. <laughs> Dude, it's really good. Uh, there's another podcast, uh, Straight Chilling, covered it pretty recently, and they talked about that in depth, and they played a couple sound bites from it. Really fucking funny. Uh, yeah, I need to check that yeah. out. Um, okay. I don't, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know what this movie is. Jocko? Jacko? Jacko. Mr. Jack. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't like it. It's not important. It's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's a piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> but it's funny. But it's like it's like the horseshoe thing, though. Like if if it's so bad that it circles all the way back around to good, I can get on board. But if it's like if it's just really fucking bad but not terrible, you know, then it's in that kind of zone, the dead zone. Yeah, I would say it has a couple of those moments, but not enough to justify watching a ninety-minute movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if you have gone gone through the experience of watching it, I think it's fun to talk shit about it. And especially that new director's commentary, like the back and forth. Uh anyway. All right. Uh that would that would be fun to listen to. Like the producers like, hmm, that was a choice you made right there, huh? <laughs> and that's not far off, dude. Like the the way they're it's real catty and then it gets it's passive aggressive at points and then it sounds like full blown these like, dudes are about to these fifty year old men are about to duke it out right now. Like, huh. Tell us exactly what the fuck you were thinking here. <laughs> Chase, don't do yeah, that. That's what I was just thinking of. Yeah. I need to be quicker on the bumps, that's one thing. No, no, no. I want to hear it from your lips. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's get right into Yeah, so with bumps, I'll just double them up. I'll, I'll overcompensate. Um, all right. So versus. How do, you, how do you have so many? I thought you were running out of room on your board. <laughs> I, I cleaned it up a bit because sometimes when I have such a choice, such a, a buffet, that's when I like I get that that fight flight or freeze i freeze so i've paralysis yeah i've narrowed it down paralysis by analysis yeah exactly i've narrowed it down to just the the choice nugs as it were um (laughs) all right so i guess uh so verses from the year 2000 uh starting with you steve since this is your first time watch um what'd you think great film or the greatest film uh, I fucking hated like, the, the, 
I knew it. The first the first 90 minutes I hated and I was I was toggling back and forth between almost falling asleep and being just like white hot with anger with how much I hated it. But then I the the last 30 minutes definitely um redeemed it a little bit, but uh yeah, I was just so angry for the first 90 minutes. Like, just, we're not going to explain anything. Somehow, so, also keep in mind, this is the first time I've I've watched it. So I think you guys might have the benefit of when you rewatch it, sort of having that knowledge going into it. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, when they, when they finally started explaining, like, oh, yeah, these are guys they fucking fought before or whatever, I went... I put the cursor over the thing. Like, what? Where are we at? Ninety Ugh. minutes into this movie, yeah, which was was somehow fully action and gore packed, but boring as shit at the same time. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but uh, yeah. Once I got out that all the way, and then uh, the last thirty minutes, I, I felt were pretty entertaining. So. Now you guys can go ahead and rip on me for as long as you want. <laughs> hey, you guys bomb on me 30, 40 more times. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm actually kind of feel the opposite of what you said. Steve is like, I liked this a lot more when I first saw it, but I did see it close to when it came out. And also I've never seen the matrix. So, Whoa. Uh, yeah, as far as, as far as a rewatch, I would rather watch, uh, I would rather watch a video of my dead grandparents fucking before I watch this movie again. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> it's oh god, I just couldn't do it. It was it was a struggle. That's for sure. I can definitely understand how someone watching it with 2022 eyes would not have a good time, and that's what I kept thinking watching it this time. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it was from the year two thousand. From the year two thousand, you, you could have told me it was ninety four, you know, and I I would have believed it for sure. I was really happy because I I briefly started to look up little pieces of trivia and then just got angry again and shut it. <laughs> but I did see I did see the budget was like you know a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand or whatever it was in the world ten thousand ten thousand in the world. What did I see? And it said the worldwide gross was like fifty thousand. Like good. <laughs> I bet since then, like the, the its cult status and like sales on DVD, maybe not. I feel like it, they've got a, they've had to been able to pull something else more than that out of it. But. So this says the budget was four hundred thousand estimated, and the gross worldwide was fifty five. But I don't claim to know what the fuck this means you know what else had a cult following charles manson true touche um so why don't you tell me what you like about it and i mean like last episode i probably changed my mind two or three times throughout the whole thing yeah yeah i guess uh for me uh i saw this also very close to when it came out Maybe not very close is the right word, but I th- I, wa- I can't even remember the year. I want to say it's for sure before like 2006. So I want to say somewhere between like 2004 and 2006. And it was on like haphazardly on like the IFC channel when that was a thing. Maybe, maybe something else. Um, It was on cable, some obscure cable channel, but it was on at like fucking 1255 
uh, at night and mm, prime time. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I just, I tuned into it randomly. I think I maybe missed like the first five minutes. Um, cause when I watched it again, everything seemed familiar, but this is one, like I watched oh. one time I was like, that was fucking really weird and different. And I, but something about it, I couldn't put my finger on why I liked it or why I enjoyed it. And so I've literally the second time I've ever seen it was last night. So, mm. so let me, let me ask you guys this real quick, because you sent me a link to it on one of the, you know, there's so many of these streaming platforms yeah. now. I don't even remember what it's called, but, uh, it, it had closed captioning and it was dubbed over in English, but those, the two, the two were conflicting with each other, which was extremely distracting. It's very, it's pretty common I, actually with shit like, this, Oh my I God, like. it was, but it wasn't even like small grammar issues or like syntax issues. Yeah. There's like there wholesale were like changes, vast yeah. swaths of, you know, I, I should have written down a couple because some of them were like, what the fuck? How did that get lost in translation? Cause it would be like, hello. And then it's like, what time is it, buddy? Like, yeah, <laughs> I bet anybody listening uh, <laughs> that has like an ounce more experience than you with this kind of with these kind of obscure movies and like dubs and subtitles is like first time, huh? Like it, it's in at least in my experience. I don't know, Chris, back me up. It's uh, this is pretty common. Yeah, for sure. There's one movie I think it was one of the guinea pig films called He Never Dies, where there was a man speaking in English, and it was dubbed over in Japanese, and the subtitles it had Japanese subtitles at the bottom that had English subtitles on oh top of those, <laughs> and the English subtitles don't match what he's saying. And oh, I have ADHD, and I about had a conniption fit right then. <laughs> I, w- I was trying so hard to just turn off the closed captioning, but I couldn't do it. So then I tried to like adjust the screen so I wouldn't see the <laughs> shit on bottom, but I, I couldn't not read it. And yeah, so that was a, an interesting experience. Yeah, that shit drives me insane. I'm one of those people like if if the video and sound is unsynced by like a tenth of a second, I can't watch it. Yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah, I'm, I'm that same way too, but weirdly enough for this, the, I watched the same stream you did. Steve, and I think this is the theatrical cut, theatrical cut that runs right on the money, like two hours um, or an hour and 50 minutes. Could be wrong. It, it's definitely not. I, they came out with an oh, ultimate it was, cut recently that's like adds oh another God. 10 minutes, I think. Jesus Christ. Because that's what this movie needs to yeah. be longer. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was every second of two hours, and it felt like two <laughs> calendar days. <laughs> Uh, I guess to finish uh, from my end on my take of this, I can definitely, I understand where you're coming from too, especially what, like you said, Chris watching it with 2022 eyes. I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as I did when I was 20 or 21, when I first saw this, whenever that was early twenties. But I think this time I thought it was more funny. There was a couple more scenes that, I picked up on that I found myself inadvertently chuckling to, but um, like all in all, it's just a goofy movie. And I thought too, Steve, like the last 30 minutes, that's what I was like. If anything is going to pull him back from the edge, it's going to be this. And maybe some of those humorous moments. Um, But 
Yeah, in my heart of hearts, I was like, yeah, I don't think he's going to like this one because I'm not I, as high <laughs> on it as I thought I was. <laughs> even, I, so I watched it earlier today, and even just looking back, I don't know what they put in the first 90 minutes. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't Fight tell scenes. you. It's, it's a lot of just uh, gratuitous violence, which I'm a huge supporter of. You know this. But then just, like, running around people just pointing guns at each other and then not doing anything and then running around some more. And yeah, it was just so, so vastly different from the last 30 minutes. But I, I sure. also did think too, like the, maybe one other little thing that you might like, cause I know you like the evil dead films or you said you enjoyed those. There's a couple of scenes, maybe more than a couple. It, it reminds me of like that, really super indie kind of budget and like that the film grain and some of the shots where they like zoom in and like, uh, like weird angles. It kind of reminded me of evil dead. I was like, Oh, he might appreciate that. Maybe that, that coupled with the last 30 minutes, it's pretty badass. Um, and like the fucking, the like guitar bump cut-ins like, like at the, like the last, <laughs> like he pulls out the sword. I was like, Oh, I could seem like that, but. Yeah, it, I don't know. When Whenever there would be like those cutesy little stylistic things, I'd be like, that's neat. And when that one, <laughs> the one of the two guys who was like pursuing him, not the guy with his hand cut off, but the other guy, he would, he would say one of his funny little jokes, like, ha that's funny. <laughs> I was just so fucking irritated by this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, enough about my, my run on. Uh, interpretation Chris what did you think this go around um so I've seen this somewhere between five and ten times oh, okay so but this last time I just watched it a few hours ago I probably haven't seen it in at least like five or six years but I mean seeing as how I've seen it so many times obviously there was a point in time where I really liked it um like I said I saw this around the time it came out I was like 13, 14, 15 or whatever. So pretty much like the key demographic Mm -hmm. and, you know, talking about the matrix and evil dead, this is a movie that really wears like its influences on its sleeve. Uh, But at the time I hadn't seen most of the things it was referencing. So it was really like fresh and new to me Um, this time around. I noticed a lot more how referential it is. And also I felt like it was just way too long. Um, I feel like not that I disliked the part with the detectives, but that easily could have been removed from the movie and you wouldn't have lost anything. Yeah. You would have just gained a more tightly edited film. Um, on the other hand though, the, f- the first time I saw this, I didn't realize how low budget it was. So I guess this time I had more like had gained a new respect for it because the choreography is pretty damn good. Um, cinematography as well, considering like how low budget of a film it is. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. I think definitely some of the fighting scenes are look pretty good. And um, like you, you mentioned the matrix too. Have you since seen the matrix or have you, are you, you no. still have never seen it? Wow. <laughs> no. So I like movies like this and Brotherhood of the Wolf that are like oh, man. in that post Matrix wave because I'd never seen the Matrix. So 
and now it's at the point where it's like, is it really going to impress me at all? Because it's like, Probably not. you know, every action movie that came afterwards takes from it in some way. So I don't think it has anything new to show me, you know? Yeah. I don't think you're missing too much by not having seen the matrix. I think it still holds up. And I honestly like for all the, like, you know, the, the bullet time and the super, you know, the now legendary Wu Ping and his coming in and, and uh, his groundbreaking fight choreography that they used in the, the film. Honestly, I think the story still holds up as, as a worthwhile, like philosophical or mental exercise, you know, like just for the story alone, all that, all the stuff that is the main selling point aside. Um, but the sequels for sure are dog shit, except there is one scene in the second one where Larry Fishburne fucking salves out. That's super awesome. But yeah, the other, (laughs) and even the newest sequel was fucking hot garbage. Um, but I, I still think the story at least stands up, but, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this film versus definitely like I, I'm curious because it came out in 2000, and I know I'm sure the Matrix probably they had a, a long cycle like production, shooting, editing, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious how aware this filmmaker and working on versus was of that or its significance. Oh, very much. Okay. Because, like, sometimes, yeah, you know, stuff, I bet then maybe The Matrix was, like, you know, more in, like, 97, 98. Uh, and then by the time this guy made Versus, he, I'm sure he spit this out pretty quickly. So it's hard to tell, like, when yeah. the influence comes in or if, like, you know, maybe he was working on this since, like, 96 and he missed all that. And it was just happenstance that there's some similarities. But um, if they did see it and and was was aware of the matrix. It's very much in this film for sure too. Um, which I liked. Yeah, I liked no, the I skipped the, and the, the stuff that they brought in from that. I skipped through some of the director's commentary and he mentioned the matrix several oh, times okay. and I don't, I never found out like what the total production time on this movie was, but their original plan was to shoot it in 10 days. Damn. So they could have watched it like, the day after like the day the matrix came out and had this out the next year really damn yeah that's crazy one of the pieces of trivia i guess that's apropos right now is uh uh, according to ryuhei kinemura he raised the money to independently produce his film by borrowing money from friends and family after producers refers refused to produce an action film with him because to them it was impossible to achieve due to the lack of time and money um, and then later he revealed that the biggest part of the budget was lunches and dinners for the cast and crew. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. But yeah, I think I feel the same too. Like I, knowing that it was so low budget also, you know, makes me think about it in a different way and like doing something gorilla style like that. There's something to be said for that. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. And I'm I'm just like such a novice in this world. Like I don't even take things into consideration, like creative cinematography, or you know, I just don't think about things on the same level as you guys do. Because I'm, like I said, the special needs little brother who's just tagging along. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like that's neat when they blew a hole in that guy. That was cool. <laughs> I still have a lot of those moments too, and I mean, I'm I, especially compared to like Chris or people in that level of um experience with this kind of stuff or it's cinema in general i'd probably say i'm like 
maybe intermediate to his like master or expert level. But you know, there's still like moments like, yeah, like when someone's heart gets fucking ripped out and he takes a bite out of it or the dude gets blown, that fucking special agent guy gets blown up by a one bullet from that. It looked like a Barrett 50 cal, that big ass sniper rifle. I was like, yeah, that's fucking funny. Um, so I definitely have. Those I, I mean, too. a perfect example to to try to conceptualize that is like look at multi million dollar movies, action movies that come out now, where it's like they take the whole like born identity shaky cam thing to such an extreme that the scene is illegible. Yet they've spent all of this money and all of these resources to make it, and here you have like this tiny little movie shot on a weekend in the woods of Japan and. It certainly has a lot of problems, but you can always tell what's going on in the fight scenes at the very least. Yeah. And I, I also calling back to like the fact that this is kind of a disorienting film because I don't even think you get the mention of like character names um, except for Ever. outside of the, the guy, the man or the guy, I think they refer to him as depending on the, the audio or the dub that you get or subtitles, but yeah, they like, that's, that's off putting for sure. And then you also, like you said, it's tell about 90 minute point where you even start getting an understanding of like, okay, this is a different place. Like there's resurrection shit happening. The, the, the key players kind of rise to the top, but yeah, for the first like hour plus it's like, what, who the fuck is this? Who are these people? What's exactly it's, it's a really disorienting, like, from a story perspective, I guess, uh, film. And I, it, it, that called back to me. Cause I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, like I said, I, I don't know what I liked about this movie. I couldn't put my finger on it. I think it was just that, like it was so new and fresh and like disorienting something about that attracted it to me along with like, you know, the dude blowing up and, guy getting sliced yeah. a billion times at the end, like super comically, like a, like a cartoon. Like I think all those things juxtaposed are, was like the secret sauce, I guess for me, but yeah. Well, and sometimes I think just when you stumble across something that you're like, what the fuck is this? You know, it, it kind of like, uh, endears it to you a little bit more than if somebody's like, Oh, Hey, you should watch this thing. Then you're kind of, already looking at it differently than if you were just flipping through channels in the middle of the night and you're like, what the hell is going on here? I'll, I'll check it out. You know? Yeah. I guess just, there's not a lot in the way of story like we've alluded to, but the, from what I get out of this, uh, trying to do a, some light analysis is I identified like four main quote unquote characters. Um, the first one too, I didn't catch this. This was like in the, uh, trivia and like doing a little background on it but like the main guy i was like okay this is our main dude this is hero guy you know but he is prisoner ksc 2-303 so i'll refer to him as the prisoner so he's like our main good guy light versus dark uh and then there's the girl who she's literally uh uh noted as the like her character name is the girl um did you did you get? Did either one of you guys think it was weird that their prison jumpsuits said what did it say like prisoner or something? But it was lawbreaker. Lawbreaker in English. I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah, it was weird. 
And then you have the the third guy that's like the main he's called the man or the guy. He's like this like sub demon immortal. He can do weird shit. He's got powers. And then I the rest of the cast are these just kind of like motley crew of of like henchmen, cannon fodder type people that actually kind of stick around quite a bit because of the whole zombie and resurrection aspect, but the other guy noted that I thought w- would have been a uh, a source of comedic for relief for you, Steve, is like the the wild-eyed uh, guy who's quote who's credited as Yakuza with butterfly knife. Uh, yeah, you know is talking that, about uh, green shirt. Yeah, is that is I think it's a green shirt guy who turns into a fucking crab or something later <laughs> on. Yeah, I thought he was like a dog. Like when he fucking he digs that hole and it kicks up the leaves. That part, yeah. I I really got a hoot watching that part this time. He fucking digs a hole and dis- disappears. Yeah, I did. I did have a couple moments that I'm not super proud of. Where I'm like, <laughs> is that is that the Asian guy from Mortal Kombat? Like, no, no, it's a different guy. And then like, is that the guy from Squid Game? Like, no, that's they're fucking Korean. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, but I could just feel my brain trying to like make these connections. Like, oh no, trying to find don't... anything enjoyable yeah. about the movie. <laughs> 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 I he had a lot of funny moments too. Like that like the humor this time when I I caught it, maybe it was just my mood. Was were the he was he was a, a constant uh source I found myself chuckling at. Like with his like tongue licks and like ah, and like his wild eyes, how animated he was. Like I I feel like he fucking just went for it, you know? Yeah. Like the psych Yes, I, he certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> I still like the recurring joke of him karate chopping the girl. I, yeah. I find that funny. <laughs> that is pretty good. Oh, every, the, yeah. our main guy right before he would start a fight, like knocking her out to like, yeah, get her, stay here, get her out of Boom. the way. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I guess like she's a like she's a jukebox and he's Fonzie. Like, hang on, Boom. yeah, <laughs> or the opposite. <laughs> One thing, too, I thought that made me chuckle probably more than it should is kind of towards the beginning when our main guy is like one of the many showdowns kind of where nothing happens. And it's like a tense, like back and forth, like zoom, zoom, uh, something's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, he, he says this line in the in the stream we watched the English dub, not the subtitle. He's like, here's the thing. I'm a feminist. And I it was just out of nowhere, like didn't have anything to do that part made me really fucking chuckle yeah uh so that was one of the parts of the director's commentary that i watched and i was like man he really said some a dumb thing after that he was like but it's true i am a feminist but only for pretty women and i was like what the fuck Yeah, I thought that. that yeah, was, I was wonder. I was wondering if that was like an updated, instead of translated to like I I need to protect her. They updated it to like I'm a feminist. So in in five years, it's going to be updated to like slay queen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, yas, yas queen. Um. <laughs> so the other thing too, like that isn't really presented or i guess it is at the very beginning when you get the 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 little bit of text is that there's 666 portals in the world in this universe and it intimates that 
the where where we're this forest that the, that the whole movie takes place in is the 444th portal to the forest of resurrection. That's the part that got me is like, do these people not know that they're in the forest of resurrection? Um, because it seems like they don't, maybe a couple people understand what's going on, but it seems like later they become upon, like, I feel like they think they were going towards that and they didn't know they were yet in it. And then they come to that realization later on, like, oh, we are in the portal. That's why all these zombies, like, every time someone dies, they come back. And there's weird rules around that, too. So let me ask you this, and this might be really stupid, but uh, in that first scene where it's like the flashback, you know? uh, When they're wearing, like, the samurai shit? Like, when it it looks like a clear time jump? Yeah, so in my mind, I'm going to refer to them as good guy, bad guy, and girl. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the flashback, good guy and bad guy are fighting, and that's when these other undead come back and and whatever. But the girl is there too, right? So in present day, good guy and bad guy are fighting in that same forest, and all the undead are coming back, and the girl's there. But the bad guy henchmen were saying that they had been burying people in this forest without a problem for who knows how many years. Right. So is, is the, is the presence of the girl, what causes the undead to come back inquiring minds? Because they obviously, no. they, cause they obviously weren't undying before. Or is it maybe, the good guy? I mean, I never thought about that. I just thought like zombie movies in general are always like, they come back to life whenever it's convenient for the plot. You know, right? Yeah. Like sometimes someone gets bit and they become a zombie immediately. But if it's an important character, it's like a long protracted thing for days. But I mean, that is a good explanation that I never really thought of. That's funny. You hated it this much and you're putting this much thought behind it. Like I'm trying to understand. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was weird because they're like, we've been burying people here for so long. It's like, okay, well, why now? I guess it could be the good guy, the bad guy, or the girl that are sort of the the catalyst for these bodies coming back. Because they were all three there in the past, and then in the present. And then the, the flash forward <laughs> was just inf- infuriating also. I mean, <laughs> like it went from ang- angry for 90 minutes, redeemed for 29, and then the last minute I'm like, what the fuck? We, you tried to just land the plane... <laughs> and crashed and burned i mean unless i didn't get it like so i have the perfect explanation for it let's hear it they wrote the dialogue for that scene 30 minutes before they filmed it (laughs) the very last scene yeah uh and the director was just like i want it to have a cool ending but i don't know and i think the producer or the writer was just like well what if the bad guy or what if the good guy turned bad and that's all the thought they put into it. So any more thought that you put into it is just wasted energy. Cause even, even that was somewhat unclear to me because it seemed like, so, so one of my points of confusion was in the flashback, bad guy kills good guy. But then in present day, good guy lives again. Good guy kills bad guy. And then flash forward. They're both alive again and girls still there doing what she does and then in the flash forward 
I, I can't remember if it was girl or good guy is like, I want to join the bad side. And, but then it looks like they're running at him. Like, like it was a, uh, like they were, like, gonna, like they were going to throw down. Yeah. Like we're going to join you. And then like psych, we're going to come at you and kill you. Yeah. And the confusion continues. I'm just, <laughs> well, I think part of it is like, in the uh, 900s or whenever the flashback takes place, like good guy was actually a good guy, but throughout the movie, they keep commenting like the girl and the bad guy are like, yeah, you've really changed since the last time. And he was in, he was in prison for killing like 43 people or whatever it was. So then he gets like all of this power from that girl's blood of resurrection. Mm -hmm. Uh That doesn't like suddenly make him a good guy in this timeline. He's still like, a murderous piece of shit, but now he has a bunch of power. So I think the implication is that in those 99 years, he's just like destroying a bunch of shit ends up destroying society basically. And then at the end, he's just like, well, I don't have anything else left to do. So let's just like fucking fight about it, I guess. Yeah. Cause doesn't he, he says something like there's nothing left, like, and it looks kind of post-apocalyptic, yeah. like anime stuff. Yeah. It looks like very Johnny mnemonic. Um, yeah. It's funny because during that first like 90 minutes, there was so much happening, but nothing happening at the same yeah. time, but there was so little dialogue, but there was a lot of really like interesting, like there was a lot of meat on the small amount of words they were, they were talking about. Like when you were, when you were saying about, you know, how he's in, in prison for killing 40 something people and how he used to be a good guy. You know, there wasn't much dialogue, but what there was seemed to be pretty relevant other than the weird, like dubbing closed captioning mismatch stuff. But yeah, that that's interesting. I guess that does kind of go back to your point of maybe there is some reward watching it multiple times. Not that you would ever watch it a second <laughs> no, time, but never. <laughs> <laughs> since I wasn't paying attention to much of the action. Cause that's lost its luster at this point. I think this is the first time that I really picked up on that stuff. I, I have one piece of trivia and I, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because I just pulled this like a lazy fucking bastard from IMDB, but, and I'm sure whatever source you have, uh, Chris from the director's commentary or somewhere else is probably more, uh, applicable or legit, but this, on IMDb says the relating to the end of the film, uh, the cast crew and director who called themselves team versus had so much fun making this film that director Ryuhei Kimura purposely filmed the, the movie with no ending with hopes that they would be able to make a sequel. Uh, the DVD has since proved to be a cult success in both the U S and Japan. So Japanese film companies ha- have in the past uh, greenlit the sequel and given it supposedly an exponentially higher budget. Team Versus planned on principal photography in the mid two thousand in mid two thousand five. Though as of August twenty eighteen, there's still been no further de- developments. And I've seen a couple other things like someone talking about in like the two thousand tens. They wanted to turn it into like a TV series, um, and then like. Uh, in 2008, after this guy directed his American feature debut, Midnight Meat Train, uh, there was some like juice. Midnight Meat Train? Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. Which actually, side side quest here, uh, that is with, um, what's his name? That was my Bradley nickname Cooper. in high school, Midnight Meat Train. 
Dude, I want to share so bad. What what year is that that you went to like prom in your like punk era? I still have that on my phone that you sent me that one time. You have like a you're wearing like a suit jacket and like Converse and you have like spiky. So that was um Is that 8th grade dance? No, that was a uh, was either a, a freshman or a sophomore. Um fuck. I love that picture so much. <laughs> if you <laughs> If you hang on for one sec, we can even edit this out, but I'll I'll show it just so Chris can see it on the the camera. I have it right. Yeah, here. if you have it handy, it, yeah, it's go get it. Funny. I'm a one moment. A it does not it does not match the man you see before you now. All right, yeah. So it was 02, so I was 15. Keep this in mind. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> it's kind of hard to see, but yeah, you get the idea. We you get the picture. We all had our blunder years. <laughs> Uh, fuck that took me totally off off track what i was talking about uh oh midnight meat train sequel yeah, yeah. midnight meat train <laughs> that's yeah. with um what's his name Vinny J- bradley cooper and vinnie yeah, jones vinnie jones is uh what's his name bullet tooth in snatch bullet tooth yeah. tony so he's in it and bradley cooper from such hits as what Al- really aloha yep <laughs> Aloha and Silver Linings Playbook, The Hangover. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually i I watched it not too long ago, uh, and I was actually I was like, this is all right. Yeah, I like it. There's really only one like Kitamura ass scene in it, where there's like a CGI eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty gruesome, and but I mean, I it's weird, like the hate that it got and like the low reviews on it, my opinion, but yeah, it's perfectly fine. Um, I haven't seen too many of his movies really other than versus. I think I've seen that midnight me train Godzilla final wars, of course, which is pretty divisive amongst Godzilla fans because of Kitamura. Um, and also downrange was another American movie he did that I saw a few years ago. I don't remember really anything about it. It was fine. Yeah, I did. I did a cursory look at what else he's done, and uh, the only I the same. I haven't seen Downrange, but I did see uh, Nightmare Cinema and his and a horror anthology, and I did see his uh, his vignette or his his anthology story, which is definitely to me not the strongest. I mean, that's it's a pretty bad anthology horror anthology but except i would say the very first story is pretty satisfying but uh his i didn't really care for either so um but yeah i guess so that that kind of jump started so maybe sequel talk when he did his first american release with the those kind of that kind of star power but yeah i think it not performing well definitely stamped the possibility of that out um i would watch a sequel of this for sure Especially if you got more than ten thousand dollars to do it, <laughs> I've watched much worse. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, at this point too, I think it's probably futile talking through like the ins and outs of like the story beats because it is just so kind of surreal and like there's not a lot of explanation. Um, 
even after trying to do a little bit of background and get, I, I think I have a better grasp of like what's going on, but just, yeah, when you watch it the first time through, it's like, what is all of this? And I mean, it doesn't help that there's no character names. You, you're just kind of thrust into this world. Um, and it gives way like the, the longer it goes on to like really like slapstick, like comically violent uh, dispatches, which I thought like, I mean this, this go around, I was just like face value. Let's have a good time. And I got, I got a few chuckles. One, one thing I did note make a note of was like, I was like the main, the main guy, the good guy prisoner. Um, I kept hearing him in my head. Like he was like, like Bruce Willis, like some of the shit he was saying. And like one, <laughs> one part where she says something, the girl and, and then he just responds, plans change. And I just, in my head, I, I it called back to like, like I'm a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like a, a, in Die Hard, you know, like Bruce Willis saying, "Like, welcome to the party, pal." Like, just that kind of mentality. So that gave me a little bit more mileage. But also, too, I thought another chuckle I got was when the gal, the girl at the end, goes to offer her blood of resurrection to the prisoner, and she pulls out the babiest pocket knife of all time. <laughs> that like this small, I was like, dude, what is that? Like a specialty apple core or something. But, um, <laughs> I did this time too. I did like that kind of little, ugh, the little twist. Like she, she gives her blood to save this guy. And at first, like, you know, the man, the bad guy is like, Oh, he's all pissed off. I could kill you right now. And then he's like, ah, oh, you've just fallen into my trap. I needed the the resurrected blood. You just activated my trap card. Yeah, you know, like this is <laughs> you you fell in right into my plans. It was my plan all along. And then the guy or our prisoner guy comes in and he says what he said multiple times throughout the film and he's like, You talk too much, you know that? That was another like I was like, This is Bruce Willis right now. This is a Bruce Willis film, but um Yeah, he is a. there is a lot of tropes in this and He's definitely the stereotypical anime pro tag. Yeah, I think that's the other thing too. Like, I, th- I know you're a, a novice to like anime films too, in general, Steve. But I have a little bit more. Like, I don't have a lot of, um, like Asian horror or action for that matter, like experience or exposure. Uh, but I, I do have a fair bit, I guess, of, of anime and a lot of like the, the feel out of this I've, I've seen in different anime films too. So I think it gives a little bit more mileage for me to watching this, uh, and being able to roll with it. Um, cause a lot of what's, anime is very sur- surreal and like, you're just kind of plopped into this world. And so what's below novice. Cause that's what I would be when it comes to anime. I I know less than nothing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you you probably know by osmosis, like like there's a lot of um, like Ghost in the Shell is like a seminal anime film. Which I mean, even if I bet if you talk to some people now too, that that's probably considered trite. But um, there's a lot of that like influence of that in the matrix and like other American things that, but like I said, it's only like through osmosis. If you went back and watched it, all I, all I know is like tentacle porn or whatever you guys are into. (laughs) (laughs) 
whatever the kids are into these yeah. days. <laughs> that is interesting, though, that you bring up Ghost in the Shell and the Matrix, because there is kind of like that like a cross-pollination sort of thing going on, because the Matrix is like heavily influenced by like Wuxia, Hong Kong cinema, and then it comes back around to where that thing that's influenced by Asian cinema is now influencing Asian cinema with verses. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Ouroboros. Um, you're such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Is there. Do we have a colloquial corner this week? Because I have one that I think Jim might really. Oh, like. nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't. I was struggling for one. And I was like, nah, fuck it. We're just going to take. I have kind of one, but it'd be. It'd be a lame entry. So if you have one, that's great. Um, do you want to you want to save it for later? Or you want to drop it right now? Yeah, we can, we can save okay, it for later. Cool. Yeah, I was I was trying to plumb the depths for a Denzel devotional um, or a colloquial corner. I was just coming up <laughs> empty, man. So cool. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that later then for sure. Um, there's really not much else to say. I don't think about um, at, except for like the end part. Steve, like the, be- I guess let's focus on the best parts. It's probably obviously like the action and they finally get down to business and there's people that get heads sliced off and holes blown through their chest. I-, I liked how it jumped from like, they went back into like, you know, ancient like samurai era garb and then like the quick flash back. And then all of a sudden he's got this badass sword and like an, a modified M 16. And then it's just on, you know, triggered by those like Bill and Ted style, like, like the, yeah. Well, it, it seemed like that's when it, the momentum picked up for the story. Like, okay, I see, you know, this is what's going on. We're going somewhere. Whereas the first, the first hour and a half, it just seemed like fledgling, just like weird, random shit going on. But then at that little 90 minute mark, it was like, okay, now we know what's going on. This is what's going to happen. I can sort of look forward to it. And one of one of the funny things that always, it doesn't even bother me. It just makes me laugh is how idiotic like the gun stuff is in movies where someone will have a six shooter and shoot it like a thousand times without ever reloading it. Or, yeah. you know, somebody invariably is carrying a, a 900 rounds of ammo with them. And just, there's no explanation for it at all, which is fine. doesn't bother me. And if you look at the way somebody shoots a gun, there's like a firecracker explosion, Yeah, but there's no, there's, there's no recoil at all. It's just like a blast. Yeah, they're Again, shooting like Roman me. candles, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it always gives me a good chuckle. Interesting piece of trivia about dumb gun stuff in this yeah. movie. Uh, I used to have the special, like I had the special edition DVD for this like 20 years ago or whenever it was. And in one of the behind the scenes thing, I don't know if you guys remember this. There's a scene where good guy is holding two guns and then has another gun in his mouth. Yeah. I remember Originally that. he was supposed to rack the slide of that gun, like with his mouth, like biting down on it and then pushing the uh, grip with his hand. Terrible. And idea. so <laughs> he, the director wanted him to have like a piece of rubber in his mouth to like protect his teeth, but 
he said this thing that I still remember to this day where he was like, I was very proud of how strong my teeth are. <laughs> that's just like a weird thing for someone to pride themselves yeah. on. <laughs> so I think that's just like a, a Japanese thing. Like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he just raw dogged it and chipped his tooth. Oh, fuck that. Oh, that sounds so painful. Ugh. Yeah. I hate tooth chipping stuff. Dude. I I mean, he, some, he was probably one of those some, guys that could pop a beer. You know, like there's always that one guy that can fucking fuck that, that. can pop a beer with their teeth, you know, like a, a pop or not a pop top or not yeah. a twist off. I mean, some people have a hard time doing it with both hands. Right. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh, God. Yeah. For, well, I, I don't know what the, what the uh, resistance is on like fake guns. Maybe it's easier. Oh, yeah, it was a fake. But I guess it would, I mean, it would have to be metal to chip your tooth, right? Yeah, because that's weird. Because I've seen some action films, they're like, they're like rubber as shit, you know? Or they're like, I've seen, I've heard they have different weights for like the situation too. Like they have like a more dense, like polymer, like, uh, like a harder plastic that looks better close up. So maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. He got like a, uh, he had like a sturdier style or maybe cause it was so low budget. It was just a, a real ass gun that wasn't maybe chambered. I, don't I thought know. about that, but that I think you can't really get handguns in Japan. Probably. That's a good no, point. they all look, they all look fake as shit. Okay. Uh, I'm not a gun guy maybe really. The, so I couldn't tell. Maybe they made the top of it out of like Abba Zabba or like a Laffy Taffy. <laughs> Abba Zabba, you my only friend. The one that stood out to me was like went towards the end where he like turns and all of a sudden he has an M16 looking assault rifle at the end and it looks like the scope is made out of it's like white offset to like the black gun and it looked like it was made out of like PVC pipe basically (laughs) or it was like one of those like sniper scopes from the old Super Nintendo like duck hunt on Duck steroids hunt. gun like <laughs> morphed onto that but yeah that part i was like uh, that definitely looked like they jerry-rigged in five minutes before the scene also a, oh, i yeah, haven't seen highlander but that was like your lost episode <sighs> it is yes oh, and apparently they stole the thing of him like putting his sword together in a briefcase Apparently that's from Highlander. Dude, that's crazy you say that because I swear to God, this time I was watching it, I was like, oh, dude, that sword's fucking dope. I was like, that reminds me of the fucking sword that the that Kurgan has that he puts. That can be only one. You know, uh, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny about that real quick. Um, I had forgotten how stupid I thought that part in Highlander was. And then, <laughs> and then when when they did it in this movie, I'm like, how the fuck is you can't just assemble a huge broadsword like that <laughs> in a briefcase, but I did not connect the two at all. It's not like a, a huge sniper rifle that you can break down and then put together. Right. You can't do, you can't do that with a sword. Anyway. Yeah. It makes no sense that the blade comes in pieces. <laughs> yeah. That makes no fucking sense. It reminded me when like he put the two pieces together yeah, you and then immediately he hit somebody and just yeah. break apart. That it reminded me of like the old ma- magician's trick, you know, like when they put a girl in and like to that box and they saw him all of a sudden, like 
for some reason it made me think of that. It's like they put the thing together and then pulls out a huge ass sword that's all one piece. But really, the thing that got me was about Highlander was the hilt, like the the handguard, like how it comes over the front. It's got like those like it looks like a dragon tail with like scales. In wait, are you telling me magic's not real? <laughs> hey man, talk to get out. Talk of to town. David Blaine, right? Oh. That's such a bummer. Yeah, that it's funny too. That episode, that lost episode, we actually we talked about David Blaine also a lot. Yeah, and that <laughs> that was gold. That was gold. It was just lost to the digital sands. Yeah, fuck God, that pissed me off so bad. It wasn't. It was more not pissed off. It was more like sheer embarrassment. That I had done that. Like, I'm that stupid that I didn't hit the record fucking button. Yeah. We had some fun David Blaine riffing. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. All lost, but (laughs) yeah. That guy is freaky, man. Some of the shit he does, I'm like, dude. But he's the devil. Anyway. Yeah, that's correct. Dude, Chris, you got to get on Highlander. It's so good. Uh, fuck, I love that film. No, it's not. You don't You don't have to get on it. It's not good. <laughs> the only thing I remember is there was like a TV show and my parents watched it and that's just like to me, I'm like, oh, that's fucking lame. I'm not going to fucking it's watch something so my It's so much divorced watched. from what the, the series, the TV series, it was, I think it was on the USA channel for fucking many moons. Uh, it is. Yeah, because that led to a Wings riff. Yeah. Duh, fuck the Lost forever. The wings riff, too. Uh, Roy. Highlander TV shows bet don't don't <laughs> derail us. Uh, Highlander's awful. Sean Connery is just in, an embarrassment in that movie. Dude, he's so good. He plays a stated Egyptian, and he does. He's not Egyptian in any <laughs> fucking way. God. That's like in Street Fighter where Jean Claude Van Damme is American. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see the problem there. Yeah, don't don't get Steve started on on Street Fighter. Um, we are a melting pot. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> he came to this country for a better opportunity to kick ass. From Belgium, I'm pretty sure they have better opportunities than we do. Not to kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Got to come to gra- Got to come to Ground Zero for that. <laughs> Dude. I was so fun pulling that Carlos Blanca. I was like, dude, he's going to love this. Uh, Truly. <laughs> side note, one time, I fucking love Street Fighter. I love that oh, movie. Oh, man. Thank you. One time, a friend and me played a drinking game of that, and he started puking in the bathtub 45 <laughs> minutes into it. <laughs> what was? What's the game? What was the bell that had to be rung t- to drink? Uh, there were so many, but every time you're watching a great movie, and <laughs> <laughs> one of them was like, drink every time this one character is on screen, but doesn't say anything. And you really don't notice it until that's a drinking game rule, but he's in like every fucking scene. Is it? I think it was T-Hawk. God, that's the biggest problem I had with that oh, film is they, yeah. they butchered so many, like I was a huge DJ fan and they did him so dirty in that fucking <laughs> you movie about that's your biggest problem. You are a huge. Oh my God. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they messed up the DJ lore. Yeah. <laughs> that's your biggest problem. 
Yeah, they had the, the they had the guy the from Juana Man as DJ. I was like, dude, come on. That's your biggest problem. <laughs> That's my biggest problem with Street Fighter. <laughs> uh, DJ didn't get enough screen time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, um, oh yeah, fuck Highlanders. Strong recommend. But yeah, that, that sword scene, that's funny you brought that up because I was like, dude, this is like the Kurgan. So synchronicity. Um, yeah, the, the I called him the Jester character because he reminded me of a Jester, the dude with the wild eyes, the butterfly knife, and the fucking blah, that dude. Uh, him digging a hole well, like a dog. You, you called him... You called him something else before we started. Green shirt, but it was Yakuza a, guy with knife or something. It was a racial slur, and I didn't think you wanted to bring that <laughs> up. So. Come on now, <laughs> we're better than that here at Old Bo- Just kidding. Waxing the porpoise. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I I love that part where he turned into like, or when he did that weird back bicycle kick into him into the fucking tree. That that part cracked me up. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a terrible. I, I won't go that far. This is a bad movie, but it's got a lot of fun moments in it, and I, th- I think I'd still. This is like one. It's like, I think it would be conducive to like a group watch atmosphere, maybe a few beers, um, having a good time to kind of like laugh at. Um, uh, good luck getting through <laughs> this movie if you're if you're trying to watch it with a group. Yeah. It's gotta be it's gotta be a pretty like minded, specific kind of group that can enjoy like this type of movie, you know. I can't imagine Fair. Yeah, I wouldn't open it up to like, you know, the normies, you know. Hey, let's watch verses from two thousand. No. They're like, what's verses? I I feel like it kind of actually is a decent normie introduction to Japanese like horror films or cult films because it it's not so different that they're not going to have anything to latch on to you know i mean is this what is this what normal japanese horror movies are like uh well are they worse i mean (laughs) they're in varying degrees but this is like a pretty good uh first introduction because i mean east asian horror in general kind of has a tendency to mix like slapstick humor in with like really intense gore. So I would, I would say it's fairly representative at least of time and place. I mean, conceptually, I like the sound of that, but did somebody order a bitch? (laughs) I found it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think your your impression of it was funnier than the actual one. It was. When I actually found it, I was like, I thought she added a little bit more English onto the bitch, like the with the vocal yeah. fry. <laughs> when I actually found it, like, it's one of those weird things, like, you remember things differently, you know, and your memory yeah. degrades over oh, yeah. time and changes things around. That was definitely one yep. of them, because she just, she gives it very matter of fact in my head. I could have sworn it was like very Valley girl with that vocal fry. Like did somebody order a bitch (laughs) to no avail? Well, yeah, chance chances are you are funnier than SNL. So (laughs) that's not really surprising to me. 
Yeah, how the mighty have fallen. Why are you? Why are you screen sharing right now? What are you trying to show us, dude? Because the fucking bumps on Riverside here took a Brazil sh- took a shit again. Brazilian foot porn. That's weird. <laughs> why would you show us that? <laughs> Hell yeah, suck toes. Welcome to Pop Copy. How may I help you? What's lemon party? <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, I think I think that'll do it for us for or I guess the other thing too, uh Chris has like an extensive knowledge of Asian Southeast Asian horror, so you giving that versus is fairly representative of that uh this milieu is is something you can take to the bank pretty much. I remember your last like what was it like your last 30 episodes plus we're all on like super obscure, like Southeast Asian, Asian horror that you just like banged out all in a row. That was pretty intense. Yeah. I was doing a thing where I was trying to see like a horror movie from every East and Southeast Asian country. So it wasn't necessarily all obscure by design, but more of the fact like how many horror movies have come out of like, Laos or Cambodia, not a whole lot. So they're pretty much going to be obscure by definition. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. And there was a couple that that I watched that I was like, holy shit. I would say that the hidden gem of Asian horror is anything out of Hong Kong pre about 1997. I think the boutique labels are starting to try and catch up on that. But it's something no one ever talks about. Um, And I think... Especially if you're into just like crazy, violent shit, like off the wall, something happens crazy every five minutes. Definitely check out some of that stuff like Seating of a Ghost or Ricky O or there's there's just so many. Well, what sounds good to me. Amazingly crazy things. What was that one? It's it's one that you champion quite a lot. I, th- I want to say it's Sweet Home where the cat. Yeah, the- both actually. What the cat is from Hong Kong. Oh, go ahead. The cat is, is the cat called the cat? Is that the one? Yes. Yes. It's called dude, the cat. Steve, just for a pure, like you should watch it. It dude. There's so many fucking scenes. Like I think about them now and I'll just start <laughs> fucking rolling, dude. Like somebody shooting like a cat, like a Hadouken fireball into something like, there's a scene where a cat and a dog have like a WWF style <laughs> wrestling match. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Or it's just called the cat. <laughs> yeah. It's you, you can't find it, but if you if either of you ever want to watch it, I have it. Yeah, if nothing else, I think you can find some like some clips or gifs online that kind of drive the home the point home. Um that are super funny, but yeah, I remember that one that, and sweet home too is, is one I've, I've heard about more and more the the deeper I've kind of gotten into like the obscure horror realm. It's, it's a solid one. Um, is there anything else either you guys want to touch on about versus put a pin on it? No, not, no, I don't think so. Check it out, I guess. <laughs> It's not the. <laughs> it's fun. I think everyone should see it at least once. I mean, even if Steve hated it, there's 
<laughs> it's a special film that can inspire that sort of rage within someone. So <laughs> at least it makes you feel something, you know? Uh, I hated three quarters of it. Gwenza, do you have the uh, three quarters of this article? Is inaccurate. Oh, fuck. I wish I did, man. I would try to search for it right now, but I that no, it's okay. that'd be bad pod. <laughs> Three fourths of this is inaccurate because it's garbage. Three fourths of this article is inaccurate. Um, yeah, I would say watch it, check it out, just to like you know, then you could be like, okay, I I don't like this shit, or hey, this is fucking. Yeah, I say uh, I say don't. All right. Just to be fair, solid recommend then from the porpoise <laughs> gang um so do you want to get into the uh that colloquial corner you brought for us chris oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah so hold up uh let me let me get this damn it i should have had it queued up i'll i'll bring it up later oh no wait i got it right here <clears throat> excuse me hell yeah The Colloquial Corner. Wait, first thing, too. Have you ever seen Fifth Element? No. Ah, damn it. Me either. (laughs) Suck it, bitch. (laughs) That, like, end part on Colloquial Corner reminds me of uh, Ruby. You're keeping it live at five with Ruby Rod. Chris Tucker's performance alone is worth you're doing that thing where you ask people if they've ever seen a movie and they say no, and yet you still reference the movie they haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, that's that's guilty. How this goes. Guilty as charged. <laughs> it's it's my way of like it's like desperation. Like maybe this will get them to watch it. Um, anyway, Fifth Element is is dope. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, so yeah, this week's colloquial corner brought to you by way of Chris this time. Another first. Yes. So one thing Steve always says about you is that you like phrases I love them. and you oh, like yeah. units of measurement. Yep. So if I were t- today's colloquial corner, if I were to tell you the phrase half a Dr. Pepper and tell you that that is a unit of measurement. No. What do you think it's measuring? Half a Dr. Pepper. Holy shit. Automatically, like my like analytical side wants to say, okay, what's half of 12 ounces, a single can of Dr. Pepper? Or after after he's done, can I guess? Yes. Okay, go ahead, Jim. Or then I think of like an old, like, you know, like one of those Shake Shack, like, uh, what do they call those places? Like with a guy that kind of uh, soda jerk that makes like a, a lime ricky like in the fifties and like one of those style glasses, like, like not a pint, but like slightly bigger than a pint. And it's got like a bulbous, like, you know what I'm talking about? So like, so then I think, okay, is it half of 16 ounces? Maybe. So, so we're either at six or eight ounces. I'll say eight ounces, Steve. What's right, go, Steve. So the phrase in question is half a Dr. Pepper. Yes. I think it has something to do with not, it's not fluid measurement. Fuck. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. So 
Oh, go ahead. No, go Keep ahead. Keep teasing it out. Or okay. it's something completely different. Uh, like it's like a, it's a half size pickup. <laughs> no, interesting guess though. I, I mean, I guess I have to say Steve was closer because he said it's not fluid. Does it have to do Which with is closer prunes? than fluid. No. So this is that good shit. Like you can't even look this up on Urban Dictionary because it's so, <laughs> you have to like talk to some super Southern dude. I've heard someone say this in Texas, like salt of the earth type. Half a Dr. Pepper is a unit of measurement that measures time and or distance. What? As in you go down the road, half a Dr. Pepper and then (laughs) take a left on Lindale Avenue. But how do you know if it's, if it's a mile? So you take a hat, you go down a half a mile and take a left on this. How do you know what it is? Well, that would be the half a Dr. Pepper. It's yeah. It's the amount of time that it would take you to drink half a Dr. Pepper. Holy shit. You just blew his mind. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> now I'm you've just I also, thinking about oh incorporating God. it in the future. I know. No one will know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. And then I get no to explain it. And it's a fun anecdote. Yeah, that shit's awesome. But you, it's like word of mouth. This is like oral history. I have a secondary one that I also haven't been able to find anywhere online that I just learned when I was in Bulgaria a couple weeks Perfect. ago. This guy said that two people were like stillborn goats on top of a bridge. And as best I could tell, it means you're at an impasse, but I have no idea like what the fuck that's supposed to mean. Is that like a translation issue or no? I don't know. He just said it. Yes. I didn't question it. (laughs) Still, two stillborn goats at the top of a bridge. My first thought was like cold, like they're up there, they're shivering. Like, oh, they're stillborn; they don't shiver. Oh, yeah, they're dead. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I would have never came up with we're at an impasse. I had additional context that led me to believe that. Just the other things he was talking about, but I thought it was a really interesting turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah, that that's, feels like super complex, like layering of instead of just saying, oh, it's kind of 50-50 right now. Um, sweet. Sounds like a fuzzy foreigner. Well, that was an awesome addition to Colloquial Corner. That's good shit because, yeah, like stuff you can't find online, like you're actually you're down on the ground, like talking to people, you know, and like stuff that doesn't like make it to the the critical mass you know like on the the hyperspace train of like internet and everything being available at once kind of thing um none of those words made sense uh i'm just curious chris why were you in bulgaria (laughs) vacation really nice that's and that question you asked me is exactly what bulgarian customs asked me (laughs) nice Along with how much money do you have and show me the money. Holy shit. Yeah, that was a sketchy situation. Damn. Jerry Maguire. Fuck. That's stuff like you hear about, you know, but it's like, oh, fuck. And obviously, you know, it was customs. So I had just gotten off the plane and that was my first interaction with the Bulgarian people. 
So I was maybe I was thinking it was more sketchy than it actually was, but other than that, I had no negative experiences there. Right on. Damn, that'd be crazy. Yeah, that'd be crazy. The first impression you get of the place. Didn't you say when we were uh, when we were trying to schedule this up? You said you also you kind of took a tour of a couple Scandinavian countries. I don't know if you want to get into this on the pod, but if so, yeah, for uh, sure. Denmark was one of the spots. Where else did you go? Because Steve is uh, Swedish by heritage. Did you? Were you there? I went to Sweden. Okay. Yeah, I was on a bench in Malmo, Sweden, when I was responding to you in a text message. And uh, from there, I went to Bulgaria, Serbia, and North Macedonia. Damn, Damn, that is an eclectic group of countries to check out. Did you see my grandpa? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I thought it was weird. <laughs> he was like, do you know Steve? And I was like, no. And yeah. he said, well, I'm his grandpa. <laughs> yeah. I f- I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try to do a Swedish accent in my so head, you, but I all I I don't I'm drawing a blank. I just think German. So they you, don't talk much. So <laughs> you must have taken a detour to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually probably in hell. Go ahead. Damn. This so this is the side that is uh, that you hate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're the this the side of the heritage that you champion. Um, yeah, awful, awful people. <laughs> Ever since I saw a girl with the dragon tattoo, I was like, because I know they filmed a lot of that on location in Sweden. I was like, damn, I want to go there. That looks fucking awesome. Neither of you guys seen yeah. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by David Fincher, guy who directed Seven. Steve? No. Oh fuck! <laughs> Look at him. He's upset. I mean, it's a very mainstream, but it, dude, it's like, it's so good, and I it get it. It's it's kind of lower on Fincher's scale, and it doesn't have a lot of good ratings. But I, fuck, hot take. I think it's top three, David Fincher, by far. It's it's an awesome fucking film. Anyway, check it out. A lot of it's shot on location in Sweden. It, it looks like a beautiful country. <laughs> Little Little Rock's a fine town. (laughs) (laughs) I would actually say, I know you you mentioned wanting to go on a Scandinavian tour. After going to Copenhagen, I feel like that's a city that is uh, vastly underrated by American tourists. I don't know if people just don't go there or what, but it's definitely a city that has something for everyone. I would say it's of the places I went, it's the only one I would give like a, a blanket recommendation to just about anyone. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's good to know. Not specific to Copenhagen. They were probably talking about it, but I remember seeing something a couple years ago uh, about Denmark and it, and people talking about how it's like, it's super chill and it, it seems like a really, like it's definitely under the radar in terms of like when people go to visit Europe or Scandinavia, I feel like, yeah, Denmark probably gets the, gets short shrift, but yeah, they were talking about all the pluses of it. And it it seems like a cool, super cool country. Yeah. Like I kind of got the impression they're like the, uh, rowdier of the Scandinavian people. Like, cause you know, we have our stereotypes of Scandinavians being like very serious and straight laced, but, 
people there are just like smoking cigarettes all over the place. You can, I think the drinking age is like 16 and you can drink everywhere. So people are just like drinking beers on the Metro or just like walking around the terminal of the airport with a beer. Eh, You know, there's beaches, there's really high end restaurants. It's very bikeable. I've, anyone could have fun there. Yeah. It seems super cool. I would definitely like to check that out for sure. Uh, side note, movie related. Have you ever seen, has, have either of you guys seen uh, flame and Citron with Mads Mikkelsen? It's a Danish no. film. <laughs> Maybe it's Norwegian or Swedish. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I, it's definitely set in Denmark. It's like the uh, plight of, uh, I don't know what the term is for Denmark. Um, as a people, you didn't Danish. Danish, Danish. You didn't let me. Sorry, you didn't let me answer. Oh, have you seen it? No. Fuck! <laughs> I should have known it. God damn it! I I didn't. I've never even heard of most of the words you just said. <laughs> so. It's a war movie. It takes place during World War Two. It's when like so. I, I guess a ton of Danish people worked with like they just bent over and or because of circumstances they just worked with the the Nazis during World War Two, and then there was like a resistance within of Danish people that were against you know the Nazis and Hitler and all that stuff, and that actually had the balls to fucking stand up and say no, get the fuck out of our country. But uh, Mads Mikkelsen's in it, the dude who played Hannibal. He's been in Doctor Strange. Um, he plays an excellent Hannibal. He's in it and some other dude, and it's all in Danish, so it's subtitled. It's fucking, it's a really good World War II flick. They're basically like assassins for the Dutch resistance, and they just fuck shit up. It's awesome. Anyway. That does sound, that does sound like something I would like. It's fucking rad. Yeah, it's, it's right along the lines of like Private Ryan, just a totally different flavor and like storyline. What's it called? Flame and Citron. Because Citron okay. is Mads Mikkelsen. He's, he fucking does the uh, Molotov cocktails. That's his, like, finisher. And uh, Flame is this Danish <laughs> dude that has, like, flaming-ass red hair. So they come inf- infamous. They're like Flame and Citron, you know? Like, they just hit, like, guerrilla style. Like, Thief in the Night. They'll go to, like, a they'll find a German SS or, like, a high-level German dude that's, like, on like leave for two weeks in Denmark and they'll go into his fucking hotel room and blow his head off. Like it. And like, all right, well, let's, let's not, let's not reveal too. Yeah, much. I know. I probably spoiled, but no, that's just one of many dope scenes. That's a really good flick anyway. Um, okay. So yeah, I think you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up. Nope. Cool. I think it's a good thing that they blew up Nazis. Yes. Very good, and that that film I'm on board definitely with that. ties in. It it definitely uh, feeds that reward center. Like yeah, fuck yeah. Um, through the eyes of the Danish, which is a fun, different perspective. Um, cool. So yeah, uh, thank you for coming on, Chris. This was has been a lively discussion, and I, I'm, I'm glad you were able to join us. Um, before we end, uh, if you want to reach out to us, let us know what you thought of the episode or have any questions for us or Chris, uh, you can reach us at our email is wax at waxing the uh, Also our socials, Instagram is waxing the porpoise and at Twitter at waxing the porp. Um, Next week, uh, we're teasing a little bit here. We're, we're going to cover Poltergeist from 1982, uh, directed by Toby Hooper. 
or Steven Spielberg, depending on who you talk to. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that uh, when we start talking about it. But we'll also have another guest, a uh, back-to-back special guest. Uh, we'll have staring John Kenyon join us uh, to discuss Poltergeist. So, um, Nice. Yeah, again, Chris, thank you very much. It's been awesome. Uh, good times had by all. Uh, do you want to plug Channel 83 again? Uh tell people where they can check it out or anything else that you have going on content creation wise in the future. Yeah. Just uh, check out channel 83.video or I think the Twitter tag is at channel 83 pod. Been a while since I've said that, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Sweet. Yeah. Check it out. Gold star for channel 83. Really good stuff. Um, Well, we, we got to have him back. This was a lot of fun. Sweet. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember you, I, I shared like the next few episodes we're doing and, uh, one of which is phantasm two, which I have much, much stronger, uh, confidence level that Steve will enjoy, um, that you expressed interest in. So yeah, if you want to come back for phantasm <laughs> two, yeah, I'd be down. Yeah. I think for that'll sure. be, that'll be a super fun one. Sweet. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about reg. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Ah, man, I know you're trying to get out of here, but I just remember this. Uh, how dare you? Cutting Cards is the best Tales from the Crypt episode. Oh, man, you listen to that episode too? Sweet. I didn't listen to your guest spot, but on this show, you mentioned okay. that you didn't really like it. And I just had to say, how dare uh, yeah, you? Yeah, so get his ass. I, I think get his ass. I think on this pod, when I talked about it, I was downplaying it because I listened to the guest spot that I was on later. And I think... I, I was more high on it in that episode. So I think I, I, I didn't want to spend too much time or get fixated on it on this, on this show. But I think if memory serves me, I gave it cause they do have, it's like a, a whole school theme, like ghoulish university. So their rating scale is grade letter grade. And I want to say I gave it a B plus. So um, I do like that episode. I mean, I, and I, in that episode too, I fucking, I regale everyone with how much I love Lance Henriksen. So, um, and Kevin Tyson. Listen to this back, backtracking. That's what yeah. you're hearing right now. Backslide. Yeah. Beep. You, you could probably Beep. say that too, but Beep. I guess in my heart of hearts, I mean, <laughs> compared to like, I'm, I'm a pretty big Tales from the Crypt fan. So compared to the ones that I really fucking like, I would place it a scotch lower, which is but outside of that, like just face value watching it, it's a good episode. It's definitely a top tier because there's some fucking real stinkers when it comes to Tales from the Crypt for sure. So, um, how dare you? <laughs> I think, dude, my favorite has got to be Television Terror with Morton Downey Jr. or the the one with, uh, what's her name? Michelle Johnson and Brian James, the, the logger oh, one. Yeah. That's one of my faves. Okay, you've redeemed yourself by name dropping Michelle Johnson. Uh, all right, yeah, all right. All wrap it. All is all is one with the world. <laughs> Do not let my calm demeanor fool you, Ranger. This has been waxing the porpoise. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, and we will catch you guys next week. Bye. All right.